All right, welcome in Cube Show Podcast, a college football podcast. We try to come to you on Sundays. Um, it is Sunday at about 7, 28 p.m., and I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was able to drive here from Columbia, South Carolina last night. Got to sleep in a little bit. Been trying to grind through the tape today, handle a couple of other things, but we're here with you. Had a great weekend of college football. I had a great time in Columbia. Uh, a lot of you might not know that the majority of my family growing up lived there, uh, both sets of grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. So got to see uh, the only grandparent that I have left, my grandmother. Uh, she's 99. Uh, she'll be 100 in March. So it was really cool to hang out with her. I hung out with her and my Aunt Marianne, who played basketball at Clemson. Um, and then got to see just a couple of other cousins and then some of my cousin's kids at the game. And then I, my aunt and uncle came over, hung out with me at the hotel for a little while, uh, watched some of the Auburn A&M game um, because they live about 45 minutes out. So it was, it's always cool to go to Columbia. Always great to visit with Coach Beamer and that staff. They're always fantastic to us. Uh, I always like being around them. They're, they're very welcoming, very honest. I, and I, I'll tell you, I love visiting with Coach Arnett. Uh, we went and visited their team hotel, met with them Friday night, and then we went to – uh, or on the field, I, I talked to him for about 35, 40 minutes before the game. And, and he and I just had a really good conversation about a lot of different things. Um, him coaching their team, what they're trying to do. He shared a really cool story with me um, before the game because we were talking about players-only meetings. And, you know, I feel like we can we can start just keeping track of players-only meetings here in the SEC. We got Alabama had one. Uh, Mississippi State had one. Tennessee had one. So, and my experience with players only meetings is has always been terrible. Like we it was a lot of finger pointing, it was a lot of bitching at each other. It always turned into offense, defense. And even if it ended somewhat cordially, there were multiple people who walked out of there who then knew that there were some other people that didn't like them or were frustrated with them, and then that created more animosity. It just never really ended well in the grand scheme of things. Now, most of those came on a three and eight football team. But usually when you get a players only meeting this early in the season, you know, things aren't really going well. But he said, man, we had to we had to change some things up. We like we, we really had to do some different things because I got to the team hotel and he's like, we just need to communicate more. Like we need to be we need to we need to interact more with each other, like care about each other. So he brought them back into the meal room after they ate breakfast and they were going to their special teams meetings, split them up offense, defense, two sides of the room. And he said, all right, we're going one on ones. Give, give me one guy and another guy. I don't care who it is. And they got up there and they played rock, paper, scissors. And a loser had to do like three push-ups. So, but he said it got the energy, got everybody going, got them talking, put their phones down, take the headphones off. And I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was a good strategic move to just cr- try to create something different with a team that was sort of reeling and struggling. And they were. And Willie B was on fire Saturday night. That place always gets going at night. It was sold out. It was packed. It was a great crowd. Not that I didn't expect it, but it, it was it, it was it was rambunctious, man. It was it was a really good environment. Obviously, you get 2001 Space Odyssey, you get cocky, you get Sandstorm, you get the whole thing, and it was it was really cool. And what they do with the lights and the video, Justin King does an amazing job with those videos in there. Um, but man, the, the whole thing is just it, it was phenomenal. Uh, the access with Beamer and Arnett in game was great. I thought they both gave us great interviews. And then the football game turned out to be just spectacular. Um, I didn't really anticipate it going that way. I, I thought that Mississippi State might try to put it in the air a little bit more, but I didn't expect Rodgers to throw it 48 times, 487 yards, uh, a touchdown and a pick. And the majority of those coming to Tulu Griffin on play action plays. And the, and the rushing attack wasn't really there for Mississippi State. They really had trouble getting that stretch play going. 
You know, the, the outside zone, the stretch play is what Barbe is going to build his offense on. By the way, we're brought to you by Wickles Pickles. I didn't, I didn't say that coming in. You guys know Wickles Pickles sponsors the show each and every week. Wickedly delicious. Uh, go to your local grocery store. If they don't have them, you need to ask for them. Tell them that you want them. And if you can't find them, go to WicklesPickles.com, and uh, you can order some right there. They'll drop ship them to you, and you can have Wickles Pickles. They just sent me a whole package of different stuff. They've got the garlic. Uh, they've got the okra. They've got the relish. They've got the sandwich bread. All different kind of stuff that they've got for you that you can use, and it all tastes great. It's fantastic. I appreciate them always sponsoring the show. Um, but they couldn't get that rushing attack going, and right out of the gate, uh, Spencer Rattler was on fire, and, and, and he was hot. And Rattler goes 18 of 20. Again, 18 of 20. Uh, 288, three touchdowns, no picks. And uh, completed, I think, his first 16 passes. He was ridiculous, man. And then Xavier Leggett has really stepped up for this South Carolina football team. Like, he has turned into a legit, bona fide, number one X, like, go-to, draw things up for him wide receiver. And he's a big body dude, man. Uh, he likes to ride horses. He's told me he's got, like, 15 horses. He's been through a lot. You guys, if you're a South Carolina fan, you know about the drops South Carolina State game last year. A lot of people were just like, never throw him the ball again. Worked his ass off this offseason. And I, I talked to Justin Stepp, his position coach, and he just said, the best winter, spring, summer of any football player I've been around. Just just went nuts. Beamer told us a story that he gets a call Friday night at 1030, and it's Xavier. And he's like, coach, I need some help. He's like, what's going on? And Xavier said, well, I'm, I'm up here at the facility. Security guard's trying to run me off. We're trying to get some work in. He said, Xavier, it's 1030 on a Friday. What are you doing? He's like, we're trying to get to the indoor. We want to get some work in. He's like, where would you rather me be downtown at a bar in five points? So Beamer talked to security guy, got him in, they, and they got their work in. But just I thought that was pretty cool, man. So that's, that's the kind of offseason he's had, kind of work he's put in. Um, I think Mario Anderson could be a viable tailback for, for South Carolina now. You know, the D3 kid, he, he's got a little more burst, a little bit more wiggle. He's shifty. Uh, DeCarion Jordan does a really nice job for him, but he's, just, he's, not a, he's not a true tailback, but he's morphed himself into about as close to a true tailback as you're going to be if you just weren't born with that. Um, the offensive line was much better. Uh, Rattler even said a couple of the protection uh, breakdowns, a couple of the sacks were on him. He told me that after the game. And I, I think you're seeing a team grow. Uh, but Spencer Rattler, we need to talk about as potentially, I'm not saying from an NFL draft perspective, but right now is maybe playing the best football of any quarterback in the SEC. And I know what J.M. Daniels is doing. We're going to talk about him in a few minutes. He's, he's out of his mind, too. Um, Jackson Dart had been playing great football. Connor Wigman, before he gets banged up, was playing great football. But guys, he's handing the ball off to, to carry on Joyner, and he's throwing passes to Luke Doty. Like, yes, Xavier Leggett has been out of his mind. Trey Knox is a really good tight end, transferred in from Arkansas. But the offensive line had been porous up until this past week and still not, I'm going to say, one of the you know, top five or six in the league. And he, just, he doesn't have a ton of weapons, and he, he, he understands it. He gets it. He's comfortable. He's confident. He's off-platform making throws. He's changing arm angles. He's accurate. Like, he, he's just – if you're talking about how a quarterback is playing, I don't know if there's one under the circumstances all-encompassing that's playing better football than Spencer Rattler right now. So South Carolina wins at 37-30. to 30. Um, You know, the, the secondary for – Mississippi State kind of struggles again. I, I did think up front it was pretty good. Nathan Pickering had a nice game. Jet Johnson. They said they told us they wanted Jet Johnson out in space. They said we want to remove him from the tackle box. Well, they did that, and he's out there making plays the whole night, man. Like all that guy does is just get people to the ground. Um, he had, he had a nice day. The South Carolina defensive line I thought did some really good things. Now 
you see 487 passing yards, and you're like, well, nobody on defense played that great. Well, safety's had some trouble. Nicky Minori came down on play action a couple of times, got caught over the top. But I thought Boogie Huntley did some good things. TJ Sanders, 90 for South Carolina as a defensive tackle, you guys are going to need to know. Start paying attention to him. Uh, he can strike and shed. He's got strong hands. Beamer told us that he was over on scout team last year, and he kept going to the defensive meeting saying, guys, get, get this kid out of here. We, we can't run any plays. He's blowing everything up. We can't block him. Uh, he's playing really good ball for South Carolina right now. So they go to Tennessee next week. I'm anxious to see it because I think Dal Logan's doing a great job. I think they have a defensive line. He's got a bunch of veterans that's playing well, veteran linebackers, really a veteran secondary too. And you know, they got a chance to keep improving. If they get a little something from Mario Anderson in the run game, Maybe that, that helps balance some things out for Spencer Rattler a little bit. And I'll tell you this, for some of the guys that are a little bit nicked up there, uh, the one global remedy for guys who are a little banged up is the team starting to win. Uh, just, just pay attention to that. Just keep an eye on it. So uh, great time in Columbia, South Carolina, though. Had a lot of fun. Uh, you guys know we're always also brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. Uh, the most comfortable denim you will ever wear. I'll have them on tomorrow night on Read and React uh, with Roman Harper on the SEC Network, 6 p.m. Central. Please tune into that. We're going to break down some film, talk about some of these games. Um, but Blue Delta Jeans, you can dress them up, dress them down, casual, nice, dressy, date night, whatever it is, multiple colors. Uh, I was in the shop when I was in Oxford last weekend. Guys will treat you great. At Christmas right around the corner. If you're looking for a gift, you can do a gift card. They'll come fit you, and then you'll get it all squared away. The best denim on planet Earth, Blue Delta Jeans. Com. Tell them you heard about him right here on Cube Show. Uh, Kentucky takes down Vandy Saturday morning, 45-28. It's a good win. It's a solid win. It's a, it's a divisional win. It's an SEC win. You stay undefeated. You get to 4-0. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a good... It's a good win for Kentucky. Was it a little bit sloppy at times? Yes, it was. There's a lot that needs to be cleaned up. First off, drops from the wide receivers. Can't keep happening. Leakage from the offensive line. Uh, they went a little bit more... A little more gap scheme stuff, and you get some guys coming through. I, I don't understand how that's happening. What I do like is a lot of the misdirection stuff that Liam Cohen's throwing in. You'll hear me talk about this with Georgia, too. Misdirection throws. Uh, I think that's a phrase we'll, we'll talk more and more about this upcoming season. So if you, if you fake power to the right, so you get two pullers coming to the right, and you fake that handoff, and you turn and throw that screen to the left, I'm going to call those misdirection throws. I don't really know what else to call them. I know they're kind of play action. But it's not play action looking to go down the field as much as it is just a fake and then boom, out the other way. Sometimes you'll see them throw it with the pullers as well. So they'll kind of fake a read to this side or a quick pitch, and then the pullers are coming back, and they'll throw behind them. It's just getting that defense moving east and west. And uh, Liam Cohen does a really good job of it. And I thought Devin Leary was okay. Uh, 15 to 29 in this game. There were, there were some balls that he had that he missed. There were some balls that were dropped. There's a couple that he missed because he had pressure in his face. Um, again, a lot of things that have got to get cleaned up. The good news is these backs, uh, both McLean and Davis, they had just a really good feel for how to find space, create space. They're patient, and then they get north and south. And you know, the one thing about Kentucky that I want to see is sticking on those combo blocks in the zone scheme just a little bit more. I thought the offensive line, they were leaving one another a little bit too quickly. That comes with time, though. That comes with reps. You have to play football together for a long time to be able to get that and, and understand it and have a feel for it. Um, 
But they also saw some replaced defenders, so they would flash the alley defenders into the tackle box late, Vanderbilt would, and then all of a sudden, you know, the running back cuts inside, and then that's the guy that makes the tackle. He's unaccounted for. There's, you, you can't do anything for that. So I wouldn't always get mad about the offensive line with Kentucky because of the things that were happening. The backs weren't good in protection either. The quarterback didn't have them in the right protection a couple of times. It's just collectively a couple of things with really every group on offense has just got to keep improving and got to keep getting cleaned up. But the good news is, like, Barry on Brown goes for over 100. When he does catch the ball, he's dangerous. When Ray Davis does get the ball and get into space, he's dangerous. When everything is clean for Devin Leary, he's good. He's really good. Like, it's going to be a good, crisp throw. It's probably going to be on target. It's going to give you a chance for some yards after the catch. That's just what it's going to be. Uh, I thought Deion Walker was good, 90. Uh, Trayvon was pretty good on that defensive line for Kentucky. J.J. Weaver had a nice game. The front is going to be a problem. Because uh, obviously, you got a couple of big bodies that can rotate and line up different places. You got one of the best off the ball linebackers in the league behind them. And I, the secondary played great. Multiple takeaways, one takeaway for points, a bunch of batted balls. I mean, you, you kept AJ Swan 16 of 40. That tells me your secondary is having a good day. Yes, you got some pressure and some different things like that, but there are multiple batted balls, tackles out in space on the perimeter. And I thought the secondary played a pretty good game. For, for Vanderbilt, Will Shepard's got to get more targets. I need more Will Shepard. A.J. Swan can still make all the throws. He can make the plays. It's just, like I've said here for the last however many weeks, he's going to give you two to five of what the hell throws every game. And I think he thinks he can squeeze them in. I think he thinks they're there technically. I don't really know. But he's just going to take those risks. And those, the, the risks are not worth the rewards because the coverage is too tight or there's multiple defenders in the area. And that's just it's it can't keep happening. I thought they got a little away from the creativity offensively just a little bit. Vanderbilt did because they had been doing a nice job of moving the pieces around and quick distribution to some of those guys that have wheels we've been talking about. And there's just I don't know if there was enough of that. I didn't see enough of that from Vanderbilt this past weekend. The defensive line did do a good job disrupting for the Vanderbilt defense. It's just they gave up too many explosives. Vanderbilt goes to 2-5, and five, Kentucky 4-0, 45-28, Kentucky gets the win. Um, Missouri gets a really nice non-conference win. I think Missouri has a really good resume that's just not going to get a ton of credit. And I'm trying to look at some other stuff that I had written down about that Missouri game, but I don't know where it is. Um, I, I, think, I think Memphis is a very well-coached football team. they got good running back, good receivers. The offensive line, you got a former offensive line coach, Ryan Silverfield is your head coach. They run pin and pull and stretch play as well as anybody, and Missouri defended the stretch play extremely well. They see it in practice every week. It's a big advantage. Um, Brady Cook has been really good this year, and we didn't even know if he was going to play. He said it was a game-time decision with the hyperextended knee. He gets out there, goes 18-25, 341, so back-to-back 300-yard games for Brady Cook. And how about this? He's the only SEC quarterback with over 20 attempts that didn't throw an interception this year. Will Rogers just threw his first against South Carolina. So he's taking care of the football. He rushed it 17 times on four carries, 72% on the season. Brady Cook has, has taken this job, and he's making the most of it. Now, Luther Burden has been a big part of it. He had 10 for 177. They're doing a great job still of lining him up different places, motioning guys around him, getting matchups, and creating space. A couple just quick easy throws to him per game in space he's going to create explosive plays he just is uh the offensive line i felt like was still a little up and down for missouri but maybe a tad more consistent than what it had been the past couple of weeks schrader goes 14 for 123 how about cody schrader 
uh, some other thing that, that you might not know about the SEC right now. Uh, he leads the SEC in rushing at 100.75 yards a game. He's the only back that's over 100 yards per game in the SEC. Uh, so probably something about Missouri that you did not know. Another thing about Missouri in this game that you may not have known. They actually won a football game without converting a third down. They were 0 for 8. Um, I don't know if that's impressive or embarrassing. But you won the game, so I guess it's got to be impressive. That's got to change. Obviously, that's got to improve. Um, you know, you held Memphis to 83 yards rushing. And like I said, that's a solid offensive line with a really good run scheme. They know how to coach it up. That's a really good job. That's a, that's a good win. And I think the Kansas State's a really good win. You look at Middle Tennessee, they gave Alabama fits. Like, they've been a tough out for a couple of teams, even though their record's not very good. So I, I just think... I think Missouri at 4-0 looks a little bit better than people give them credit for. Now you go, you get Vanderbilt with a chance to be 5-0 with LSU coming to your place. Whoa, Nelly. So that one means a lot this weekend for a lot of different reasons. Mizzou's 4-0, 34-27. They knock off the Memphis Tigers. So I, um, I'm gaining confidence slowly on this Missouri football team. I like what I see. I like what they're about. I like what they have. And... I just I I think if Brady Cook continues to assert himself as the guy and he continues to gain confidence with the dual threat nature he can bring, how they run the stretch play and they get you going east and west and then have pieces who can take the top off down the field, they're going to be really dangerous. And the D line is disruptive. Bottom line, like the defensive line can attack, they can get in the backfield, they can be problematic. I mean, five forty two to three ninety nine was your total yards in that game. I mean, it was, it was the scoreboard didn't look dominant, but the other numbers inside of this game did it's a really nice win for mizzou all right georgia takes care of uab uh they handled their business this is one that they they won it the way that they should have 49 to 21 uh dejon edwards another pretty good game i really like 30 running the football he does a nice he's got good vision patience gets north and south he's very slippery He's able to get into little creases and then turn something into a little bit bigger play than he, than he normally would. I thought the left guard had a really nice game for Georgia here. 77 at left tackle started out with a nice game, kind of faltered a little bit late. Carson Beck looks like he's in command, 22 of 32, 338, three touchdowns, no picks. I just I see the way he's rifling the ball down the field. I see the poise in the pocket. He had a couple drops. That's got to get cleaned up. The turnovers have to get cleaned up. One of those on him, absolutely. But they're 10 of, th- 10 of 13 on third down. You know, you outgained him 582 to 336. And this is Jacob Zeno at quarterback in an offense that carries everything, literally everything. Like, I think they carried more than the Georgia offense did last year. So give the Georgia defense some credit. Uh, the tight ends did get lost a couple of times. There was a lot of east and west, side to side, that, that UAB threw at you. You, know, you had you had receivers coming across. You had a little waggle to the tight end that went end up going for a touchdown. So a couple of those things that need to be cleaned up defensively. But I I am kind of wondering are we are we seeing the emergence of the next guy up front for Georgia on defense? Is Warren Brinson maybe that guy? Ninety seven had a really good game. Strike and shed. Taking on double teams, one-on-one pass rush wins, denting the pocket. Uh, I understand it's UAB, but look the part. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr., look the part out there on the edge. What's he, like 6'5", 255, 270? Like he looked like a – I mean, he, look, he looks the part out there at, you know, Jack, outside linebacker, whatever he's going to play. Um, and he, he did some good things for that defense as well. Just 86 yards rushing for UAB. I thought the Georgia linebackers diagnosed things well. They arrived at plays before the football was there. And outside of some of that East and West stuff that they missed a little bit of kind of earlier, uh, I, I thought it was a strong performance there. Like I don't always just look at, okay, 21 points, you failed, whatever it is. I, I look at 
just how you play within the scheme and some of the things that get you, is that going to be, are that going to be things that get you each and every week? I don't really think that was the case with Georgia. Love Brock Bowers early, getting him going right out of the gate, nine for 121. Um, I also like what you saw from Coach Bobo and some of the different formations. Now we know Bell, the receiver, comes into the backfield. They're still going to use him. You saw a little bit more two back. And then like I talked about uh, with Kentucky, the misdirection throws. So like the quick fakes and then going the opposite direction just to get guys moving in those eye violations, stealing the eyes of those defenses are going to be key down the stretch. So I, I kind of like what I saw from Georgia all the way around. I thought they handled things well, had no complaints really about what they were. Um, if you have complaints about how you look, though, you might need to check out Caldera Lab. Uh, Caldera Plus Lab Men's Skin Care. Well, guys, we're all getting older. None of us want to deal with the wrinkles. First impressions do matter. You guys know that. If you're not taking care of your skin, people are going to notice, especially as we continue to grow and get a little bit older. I'm talking to you guys. Now, lucky for you, it's not hard. You just don't have the right tools right now. And that's where Caldera Lab comes into play. So, Caldera clinical trials have found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using their products. I've got like five of their products in the bathroom here in the hotel right now. I use them every morning. Listen, I'm going to be on camera. I'm going to be here doing this on YouTube for you guys. I got the show on Monday nights, games on Saturday. I can't have the crinkled face and be looking all dry and, and, and gross. I, I got to get it kind of figured out. I'm not attractive enough anyway, so I at least got to try to boost it up a little bit. And Caldera Lab has helped me out with that. The clean slate starts and ends your day. It's a face wash that leaves all skin types refreshed. The base layer, this is what I love. I love this base layer. It's your daily moisturizer that hydrates your skin and jumpstarts your day for full convenience. Now, the good is... Your multifunctional serum at night is going to help your skin look tighter, smoother, as well as helping reduce the visibility of wrinkles in those fine lines. Every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units, protecting your skin. No other brand does this. Better yet, Caldera Labs is the only brand that cares about this enough to know. So the Icon Eye Serum as well. It addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eye, fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. You guys know the way that I travel. I had to drive here late after the game. Didn't get in until about 1.15, 1.30. I got to take care of the, the, the bags under the eyes. And obviously, we have the product with the Icon Eye Serum that can be able to do that. Skincare is important, but it doesn't have to be difficult. One minute in the morning at night, all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. So here's what you need to do. Just for you, this audience, we have an exclusive offer, best offer anywhere. Use C-U-B-E as your promo code at calderalab.com. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A lab.com. Get 20% off right now. 20% off at calderalab.com with promo code CUBE. So take care of your face. First impressions mean a lot. Caldera Plus Lab. Go check them out today. Promo code CUBE. Save 20%. All right. Uh, Arkansas LSU. What a game, man. Um, I talked to Josh Pate on his show on Thursday that I thought this could be a, dif a, a difficult game for LSU. The reasons why were pretty simple. A guy on offense that could take over the game and a defensive line that was going to be disruptive. You got a little bit of both of that. The problem was with Arkansas, you also turned the ball over a few too many times. Um, Jaheim Thomas on defense for the Razorbacks, flying around again. Uh, Landon Jackson up front, causing problems again. 
Um, you know, Gene Thomas, I think he had 13 tackles, like uh, a tackle for loss or a sack. Uh, Landon Jackson was in the backfield a bunch. They were disrupted. They caused a lot of problems. Now, I think what we're finding out is no matter what coverage teams get or what they play, Malik Neighbors is going to get open and make catches. I mean, a couple of these, a couple of the contestant catches and coverage being tight on him and he still makes them. Like, I, I don't know what you're going to do with Malik Neighbors moving forward. He's, he, is, he is that ridiculous right now. But offensively for Arkansas, the, the run game, I know, didn't get going the way that they wanted to. Um, you know, KJ, 21-31, 289. I thought he did a nice job with manipulating some of the reads. LSU was attacking the mesh early. It was somewhat problematic, but he got out in space, and he was able to make them pay a couple of times. Uh, Lucas at tight end, 6-for-116. He had a big day. LSU defense kind of lost him, at least on two of those catches down the field a little bit that I can recall seeing on film. Um, but... You know, it's 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 one of these things where Arkansas, they were you're, you're in a position, and I know the debate's going to be, do you let them score? They're late. I think a lot of coaches are always going to have issues just saying, let a team score. They're, they're just not going to be comfortable with that. Uh, was that the right strategy there? Maybe. I'm, you know, they got these analytics guys now with the book over on the sideline. They're telling them everything, and that's all they go to, and that's all they care about, and that's what they usually do. Uh, Daniels was 20-29, 320, four touchdowns, and interception. Uh, 509 total yards. I think you've got your number one running back now in Logan Diggs. He was great again. The offensive line, good at times. I think probably better late when they had to have him. Um, the Arkansas offensive line, not as good. Um, I want to see him stay with the combos a little bit more. They're leaving each other. And this is here's the other part of this. You're not gonna, you're not gonna. I, I, actually, I talked to Zach Arnett about this before their game. I was like, you're, you might not get another D line outside of A and M. And A&M may be not even as good in the middle as this LSU D-line. Like Mason Smith and Makai Wingo are out of this world. And you actually had a couple of other guys off the edge for LSU that did a great job in this game. They got good pressure off the edge and not just Harold Perkins. So that also became problematic. I thought that the tackles for Arkansas just did not play well struggled and it's easy for it to get in your head you give up you give up a pressure or two early then all of a sudden you're in a turnstile and guys are giving you inside moves and speed to power they're running you over I mean there's one play where both Arkansas tackles just literally get bulldozed in pass protection at the same time like Gucci and Bally I mean it was it was rough but KJ's got the ability to tuck it and go quarterback run was big designed and leaving the pocket thought his receivers made a couple of tough catches that they had to have um the run game early, I thought the back – a lot of people are just going to blame this on the offensive line. I thought the backs missed some holes early on. I thought they made cuts or bounced too early in the run game because I thought there was some space there that they could have hit and taken advantage of, and they just kind of didn't do it. And then later in the game, for whatever reason, started waiting a little bit more and then finding some of that. Um, either way, I give Arkansas a ton of credit for the grit that they showed, for how hard they played. I mean, this is a more talented football team at home at night. That's a tough place to go play. Don't count Arkansas out is what I'm saying. Um, I think there's a couple of teams that we're going to look at this year that are still going to be tough outs. Mississippi State's going to be one of them. Arkansas is going to be one of them. I know they got tough stretches coming up. South Carolina is going to be one of them. With what they've got coming up, their record might not be great in three or four weeks. But with the way Spencer's playing, they're not going to be an easy team to beat by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, Brian Thomas, also freak show in this game. Like these – I tried we, – we, Again, we don't like doing this, but we, we talked about the LSU receiving core outside of Ohio State, that there weren't a lot of groups that you would take ahead of them if you really looked at them. Kyron Lacey didn't even make noise here, and look at this group now. Just, I mean, all over the place. Insane catches, 
in traffic over the middle, deep down the field, high point in the football. Like they're just, it, it is a ridiculous abundance of riches at the skill position that Jaden Daniels has at his disposal. And he's got a great offensive line to go along with it. Um, and with Clemson going down to Florida State over the weekend, it only looked that much better for LSU down the stretch. All right, so um, Arkansas two and two, LSU three and one. Um, I thought, I thought it was just a hell of a game, battle of the golden boots. What I kind of expected. Like I thought it would be LSU doesn't normally do great when people tell them how good they are, and Arkansas is just a gritty program. Like they got a gritty head coach, they got a tough staff. Like that's just it's just who they are. It's kind of in their DNA. Uh, Tennessee takes out UTSA, Tennessee, San Antonio, 45-14, handled their business, did exactly what they're supposed to do. Uh, Dylan Sampson was great running the football. He goes for 139. UTSA only runs for 88 yards on the ground. Um, Now, Joe Milton, 18 of 31, 209, two touchdowns, no picks. He had the big run right out of the gate. I do think that that changed a lot for what Tennessee saw the rest of this game. So I think what happened here was – after that run, then you saw those alley defenders kind of compress just a little bit more. That made it hard to run the football for the next couple of series. But then once they widened back out, you kind of saw Samson get going. It wasn't the cleanest game by the Tennessee offensive line, turning a couple of guys loose, um, not locating linebackers and some of the gap scheme stuff. But one thing that I noticed from Samson, and this is something to maybe keep your eye on with Tennessee down the road, he had – Three big runs on cutbacks. And when I say cutback, like all the way back. And a couple of them were split zone. So they're running like zone to the right. And that tight end's coming across to the left. And he would cut back all the way behind that tight end and kind of use his wall off block to go back in between. That's why you wall that off is so he can't trace flat down behind the line of scrimmage. And that cutback lane is there. But it almost turned into what it looked like, like a, like a counter backside, uh, almost intentional. Uh, we got Tennessee this weekend. I'm going to be interested to talk to Josh about, like, do you do you design that or do you coach that or does it just happen? Because it it, it almost looked by design the way they cut a couple of those runs back in the way that they happened. Um, now, the Joe Milton part of this, I'm not worried about it. I don't know how else to tell you guys. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I don't know how else to say it, but there are a lot of people that he's not good. He can't get it done. He's not playing well. I I just, I don't see that. Uh, I see him running the offense. Did he miss a couple of throws down the field? Yeah. He had two. I know that sailed on him that just weren't good throws. He had two other deep balls that were very catchable. One right in the receiver's hands. It was good coverage. So you could understand why he didn't come down with it. Uh, there were a couple of drops in the game. But when he's spitting the ball out to the perimeter the way that he is, when he's pulling balls in the run game the way that he should and reading them, I'm not going to be mad at that. Like the offense was efficient. The offense was operated well. He's just not going to be super accurate guy. He can get it down the field. And then I think there was like the third or fourth one he tried to take a little bit off. So he pulled the string on it. And then that one comes up short. He'll find it. Like it's in there. He'll find it. But when he can get it out wide as quick as he can, and and he's accurate with those right now, and then he can take some of the other stuff that teams are giving him. And he can run the ball, and then the offensive line plays well, and they hand it off. The offense is still going to be tough to stop. And they're going to put you in conflict, and they're going to make you make decisions. And if you don't make the right ones, they'll make you pay. He will start to hit some of these deep balls. See, you guys, it's the thing about Hendon Hooker last year that I remember watching that team. The Pitt game specifically stuck out to me earlier in the season. Because he missed like four or five deep balls early in that game. The beauty of it was they kept coming at you. Like they kept throwing punches. They're going to keep throwing those deep balls. So it's not like Josh and those guys are going to see him miss a few and say, well, 
take that out. We can't do it anymore. They're going to keep throwing them, and eventually they'll hit them, and eventually they're going to go, and it's going to be fine. Like I, we knew there was going to be a little bit up and down because the consistency is not his strength, but a lot of the other things he's managing extremely well. Therefore, I don't don't have the concerns with the offense defensively. Uh, I thought 44 played a good game, Elijah Herring. I thought he diagnosed things very well from a linebacker perspective. He's that bigger, thicker kind of linebacker body. Um, Byron Eason, James Pierce, Amari Thomas, they were all disruptive up front. Like the Tennessee front did a really nice job. And I, I, a couple of things kind of slipped out a little bit later. That's, a, that's, a, that's an offense that's very well coached. I know they have your original starting quarterback in, and they lost a couple of players to the portal. But they're big up front, big tight ends. And they they managed things extremely well. But I thought the defensive line was active. I thought the linebackers flew around, tackled well. Uh, so an overall good performance. You handle your business, you get to three and one. Good job. Um, all right, so you think about game time, right? Game time, where do you go get your tickets? Game time, fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music and comedy and theater events near you. Killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets for all you guys. All right, so you think about last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. What are some things that I like about the Game Time app experience? Well, just that, what I read right there. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You can get views from your seat, see exactly what it's going to look like, where you're going to sit in that venue, when you go buy it and you know where you're going to be, what you're going to get. Lowest price guarantee, if there's an event cancellation, they've got protection against that. Also, job loss protection. Game time is going to offer you that. So listen, game time takes all the guesswork out of it. They know what you want. They know what you need. Download the game time app. Create an account today. Use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E. GameTime.co is the website or... You can download the app, search the Game Time app, and use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, create an account and redeem code today. Spell out CUBE for $20 off your first purchase. It's the Game Time app. Buy tickets in seconds with just two taps right there on that app. They are obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets, and they're going to do that. Deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. So you don't have to go in there a month ahead of time. You can wait right until, get the best deal possible. With zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of the best deal possible. So why not go take advantage of that? Game time app, they take the guesswork out of it. They get you the best deal on your tickets. Go check them out today, gametime.co. Get the game time app and use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, get $20 off your first purchase. All right, um, Florida takes down Charlotte 22-7. to I haven't even seen like what the narrative is on this game, but I guarantee you people are mad about it. They just see 22-7 in Charlotte, and they're like, oh, no, what happened? It's not good. Um, I think we learned Ricky Pearsall is a legit weapon. Like This dude's a problem. Six for 104, maybe the best catch of the year already. And this one-handed catch was just insane. Probably goes to tell us that these gloves these guys are using are a little bit too good right now, but that catch was nuts. Uh, I mean, it was, I don't know how you don't have respect for that and what he did in that catch. Merch goes 20 of 23. He was efficient. He was fine. I thought they came out and just ran the offense. Montrell, very good feel for things at tailback. More Montrell, not as much ATN. Saw him out on the perimeter a couple of times. Caught the ball out wide a little bit. And the offense, I thought, operated well. I thought left guard played extremely well. You got a couple of guys out for the first half. So the offensive line continuity, not exactly where you're going to want it. Um, I do think eight at tight end. Um, Arliss Boardingham, I think is his name. 
he's coming on. He's showing me some things, um, you know, athletically out there catching the football and then mixing it up a little bit in line. But they need more out of more tight ends because this offense needs those to widen the surface, stretch them out, and then just kind of get things going. Um, I like Arliss, but they, they need more from different tight ends. they got to find a way to get that going. Um, but he was one that stuck out to me. Uh, just one of nine on third down. Um, so that's something that's obviously got to improve for Florida. But I just I think this was kind of a workmanlike win. You give up 211 yards, 78 rushing yards, and by the way, oh, just sitting back there to, to, in the in the back of the pack, Florida got number one defense in the SEC right now, as far as total defense is concerned. So they got that going for them. Princely was good off the edge. I thought Scooby Williams was all over the place. He had I think seven tackles, one for a loss. Shamar James was great at linebacker. Uh, Chris McClellan, big seven. He did some things inside, moving guys around. So. I, I just thought they came out, they played aggressive up front on defense. The linebackers were flying around, secondary pretty good. And this is a mobile quarterback, too. So he was running all over the place. They gave you some option. They gave you a lot of read plays. There was a scramble drill that they got on. The tight end got lost one time. So, I mean, even some of the yards that were there, it's, it's not like it's things that are going to go out and be a problem for Florida consistently. I don't feel that way. Um, but I'm, I'm, I feel fine about it. Uh, 244.8 yards per game with this Florida defense given up. That's number one in the SEC. So I think you've I think you got to feel pretty good about that. Um, take care of the football, though. Putting the ball on the ground, quarterback can't do that. That's, that's got to go away. That's got to improve for the Florida defense. Um, Auburn A&M. Mm. Whoa, Nelly. Um, let's go through some of these numbers real quick. Uh, Peyton Thorne, 6 of 12 for 44 yards. Um, Holden Garner, 2 of 7 for 8 yards. Robbie Ashford, 1 for 4 for 4 yards. Ha! Ooh, they passed for 60, 56 yards. 56 yards in a game. 56 passing yards for a Southeastern Conference football team not running the triple option. Now, I'll give A&M credit. Uh, defensive line was real. I mean, Walter Nolan, McKinley Jackson, uh, Shamar Turner, again, he's playing out of his mind. He might be the best defensive player in the country right now. Um, you know, I, I just – they didn't block him very well. They caused a lot of problems. I thought Brian Batte ran the ball well. I thought Jarquez Hunter ran hard. Um, some of the stuff out wide they created on their own. Not mo- the majority of it was not blocked very well. Um, they're three of fifteen on third downs. I mean, Robbie ran eight times for twenty-five yards. It helped a little bit, but there were a couple, there were a couple routes that were open uh, that were just flat missed. But the biggest concern, and, and the offensive line didn't play well. The tackles didn't block well specifically. They lost some one-on-ones. The protection was not on the same page a lot of times. That's got to be cleaned up also. You know, backs going to the wrong guy, turning guys free. All that's got to improve. But the quarterback's got to get the ball out of his hand. And what I saw from Peyton Thorne not being able to let the football go was probably the most alarming thing that I saw from this Auburn football team. Like, that cannot continue. It was bad. It was gross. And it was worrisome, just to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know another way to say it. Seven sacks and 15 tackles for loss for A&M. 15 tackles for loss in a college football game? Holy hell. Um, but like I said, those dudes up front are real, man. And they were playing lighter in the box most of the game. That's why Auburn had success running early. Because A&M wasn't even loading the box up. DJ was playing off. Le'Veon Moss had a good game. 
Uh, Anai Smith, a good game. Love how they're moving him around. Connor Wigman goes down, and we've talked about quarterback depth on this show before and how valuable it is. Here comes Max Johnson out of the bullpen. 7 of 11, 123, two touchdowns, no picks. He had a couple big runs when he had to leave the pocket. I mean, he handled himself extremely well. Like, you got to be proud of that guy if you're on that A&M coaching staff or you're his family. Like, to sit there and watch and watch and watch after being a former starter, come in in that spot, tight game, close it out, and really put it away. It's pretty impressive, pretty impressive performance for Max Johnson. Like I, I, I came away from that thinking like, man, that that was that that was just that blew me. Didn't it didn't blow me away, but it was really impressive. Uh, Two hundred total yards for Auburn and ten penalties. Like those are the things that just have to go away. It was just an ugly performance, and. You know, I thought you had a couple of individuals, Asante again, 50 again, uh, played pretty good inside at times. It was inconsistent defensively, like just guys out of position, uh, you know, pass rush, just getting out of your lanes, just undisciplined stuff that can't continue to happen. Like you're not talented enough. You're not a good enough team to be able to do those things and win. Um, even when the head coach is on the other sideline trying to make tackles. But nonetheless, A&M. 27-10, they get to win. Auburn goes with 3-1. And, one. and um, yeah, they, they got some soul-searching to do on offense. I don't know what the answer is at quarterback, but if Peyton Thorne cannot let go of the football, he is not the answer at quarterback. And if you go back and watch it, like I did, there are the, the times in which he was in the pocket and was thinking about it, and ah, 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 or pat, 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 pat. It's there. The routes were there a lot of times. There's a couple that weren't, but most of the time it was there. Any anticipation would have said, get it out right here, right now. Boom, it's there. He just didn't do it. He couldn't do it. So, I mean, I don't know. All right, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, sometimes we need to talk about, you know, sex. Summer's here. You want to bring the heat in the bedroom, you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Go to BlueChew.com. Blue Chew, unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at the fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Process is simple. You just sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part is it's all online. So no visits to the doctor. You don't have to go to the office there. No awkward conversations. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. Ask them about that. Bluetooth tablets made in the USA, prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Bluetooth wants to help you have better sex, fellas. Discover your options at bluechew.com today. Chew it and do it. We got a special deal for you, our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, at checkout and just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code CUBE to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank BlueChew for being a sponsor of the show. All right, so Auburn goes down. They got, they got questions that are going to need to be answered. And I don't know exactly where you go because the offensive line's underperforming. I think the backs are playing well. Receivers could have helped. There was a couple balls that could have been caught, and they just weren't. A couple balls that easily could have been hauled in, and it just flat out did not get done. Uh, so you, you, that's just it's things that Hugh Freeze, his staff, going to have to go back to the drawing board on. But that was an ugly performance against A&M. All right, Alabama Ole Miss. 24-10, Alabama gets the win. It was exactly what I think we wanted and thought it needed to look like offensively for Alabama. More tight ends, direct design quarterback runs, and a north-south attack right out of the gate with some easy play action with an option to tuck the ball and go. Um, Outside of the interception, I thought Jalen Miller played a really good game. Now, there are a couple of times that I thought he began to leave the pocket and definitively could have, 
waited to see if he could get a throw downfield, and then took a negative play. Want to see him clean those up, but they weren't detrimental to the point that they really put them in harm's way to lose the game. Just the interception was only one of those kind of mistakes. But when he did decide to go north and south, when he decides to leave the pocket north and south, he's great. Because it's like, bam, boom, I'm out of here, and he's gone. When he goes right or left, it's a little bit different. And it's not as clean that he just looks to get yards. He's trying to keep his eyes down the field, which sometimes can be good, but just tuck the ball and go, man. You're electrifying. Like You have that kind of burst, that kind of speed. Just get out of there and go. Um, Jackson Dart was 20-35, 244, no touchdowns a pick. He did do a little bit with his legs. Didn't think he got a ton of help in protection. Dallas Turner was great off the edge. Braswell was great off the edge. Uh, Tim Smith was great up the middle. They, they were dent in the pocket. They were bending the edges. He just didn't have a lot of time. Couldn't get Judkins going again. Um, Judkins just not, not really a factor in this game. They're going to have to find different ways to get in the ball. You're going to have to get him out of the backfield. You're going to have to jet motion him. You're, going to have to, you're just going to have to come up with different things to give him the football. The offensive line is not blocking it up well enough. Now, that's a good front seven that you played, and they're going to be a little bit more problematic. I mean, Dallas Turner, three and a half TFLs. Braswell had one and a half TFLs. Alabama had 10 in the game. It's not 15 for A&M. 10 in the game is still pretty damn good. Um, so you're going to deal with other good defensive lines, though, down the, down the stretch. I mean, just, this isn't going away. So you got to find ways. Maybe tempo and more of it has got to become your friend. It was great to see Priest Corn out there. It was great to see Zakari Franklin out there. Like that's going to help that football team down the road. But I don't think that just solves all the problems. Three of fourteen on third down for Ole Miss, not good enough. Not good enough. Three hundred one total yards for Ole Miss, not good enough. Not going to get it done. Um, I think we saw four on defense though. Perkins, some trying Perkins, where he he's going to be a guy make some plays. Uh, I thought Big Ninety did some good things inside. Um, but it's just, I thought the Alabama receivers did a nice job helping Milrow out down the field. The tight ends were good. CJ Dupree had a really nice game. Robbie Oots had a really nice game. Both those guys catching and blocking. And then you got a couple of guys with some one-on-ones down the field that, that, you know, made the difference. Tyler Booker being back for Alabama, I felt like made a big difference as well. Like he brought a little extra physicality. The offensive line wasn't super clean. I did feel like second half, it got a little bit better when they got into a little bit of a rhythm. Okay, this is what we're running. This is how it's going to operate. Let's add the extra blocker. Let's go quarterback run. It's going to be there and we're going to be able to get it going. So, you know, I think, I think a lot of that was just a feel and a confidence level of what the offense was going to be and where it was going to go. You saw some of those younger receivers for Alabama make some plays too. Secondary played really well. Played really well. Malachi Moore came up and made some plays. He had a corner that had a terrible game against Texas and Terry on Arnold that bounced back and had a huge game against Ole Miss. A massive game against Ole Miss. So I thought it was a nice win for Alabama. They get to three and one, same for Ole Miss. But like you heard it in Lane after the game. Like this was the one he thought he could get. He knows he doesn't play him next year. Doesn't know when he's going to get him again. Don't know how long Saban's going to be there. And I think he thought and his players thought they could go get this game. Saw Chris Lowe tweeting about that as well. Like they thought they could get that one, and they just flat out didn't. So you know what can get it? Prize picks. Largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest, most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and just watch the winnings roll in. So here are a couple of things that you can do. Prize picks is the most fun that I've had winning potentially up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less of their projected stats, and then place your entry. Test my skills on prize picks this football season. Most exciting way that I play daily fantasy sports. If you've got the skills, you can turn 10 bucks into $250 with just two taps. It's easy. Now, 
Prize picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit them in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types is what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go Saquon Barkley for more than 60 yards. Patrick Mahomes, more than two touchdown passes. A lot of different ways to pay or play. And Prize Picks now takes Apple Pay as well for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So here's what you're going to do you're going to go to prizepicks.com slash cube. You're going to use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E. You're going to put a deposit of 100 bucks, and they're going to make it 200 You're going to have that in your account to go play. Prizepicks.com slash CUBE, and then you're going to use promo code CUBE. You're going to put $100 in, and then you're going to have $200 to play at prizepicks.com. All right, so that's our games from this past weekend. Once again, I always appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, YouTube, if you're there, please subscribe. Please like the video. We always appreciate when you guys do that. Um, and go find us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you need podcasts there, that's where they're going to be. And then also, um, if you haven't subscribed to those, we need you to do that. And, and we need you to, to go get that done. I want to quickly just kind of go into a couple of games coming up next week in the SEC because we don't do anything during the week. Here's what I'm kind of looking for with this next block of games. Um, Kentucky, Florida is going to be massive. And with the aggressive nature of this Florida defensive line right now, I'm wondering, can they slow Ray Davis down? Could that be a pretty big problem for them? Um, Florida offensively is going to have to deal with a very physical defensive line as well. Who can create explosive plays? Ray Davis, Ricky Pearsall, et cetera. ATN, uh, Barry and Brown. That's going to be a really interesting game. Cause I actually think it's a really tight matchup with strengths and weaknesses. A&M and Arkansas, I'm telling you, don't count Arkansas out. Rivalry game, Jerry World should be a good one. Uh, Can Auburn try to bounce back against Georgia? You probably need somebody who can throw the football. Like, literally let it go and throw it. Um, Missouri is at Vanderbilt with a chance to get to 5-0 and be 5-0 when they play LSU, which would be massive. Um, So that is a big reason to kind of keep an eye on that one. LSU at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is about to hit a dangerous stretch. They've got some guys coming back healthy. Now, we mentioned Preach Corn. We mentioned Zachary Franklin. Can they sort of find a way to get their star tailback going and move the football against LSU? That Ole Miss offensive line going to have their hands full with one of the better fronts in all of college football. And by the way, that LSU offense is on fire. South Carolina at Tennessee. Revenge game for Tennessee. It's going to be in Knoxville. You know the fans are waiting on this. I've heard multiple people say the South Carolina game, that's the one I'm going to. Like the guys on that SEC podcast were talking about it. Like that's the one that they want to be at because of the revenge factor. Now you get a hot Spencer Rattler coming in, a defensive line for Tennessee that's playing great football, an offensive line that looks like it's better for South Carolina, but we don't really know. And then how healthy is South Carolina going to be heading into that game? Can the Tennessee O-line get healthier and get more bodies back? Be interesting to see that. And then... Zach Arnett and Mississippi State, those boys are in a tough place. They, they need a win bad, and they're going to get Alabama at their place. It'll be a tough environment, and if they can slow down Jalen Milrow and force him into some mistakes, can they keep it close? Will Rogers looks like he may be back. He's doing some good things. I don't know. It's going to be a fun weekend of SEC football, and you know next Sunday we'll recap all of it for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to watch the film, give you the results each and every week right here on Cube Show.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.